This is the third of a four-episode series addressing how you can tell if you can and should trust someone in whatever relationship you are with them. In the first episode, I explained that you need to first decide what you need to trust them with and how much you need to trust them, because trust is contextual and continuous. In the second episode, I explain how you can tell if you can trust someone based on who they are and the components of competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry. This is how you can tell if you can trust them before you even meet them for the first time. The decision to trust is based on the components of my relative trust model. It has six components in two groups. One group includes the who they are components of competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry. And the second group includes the what they do during an interaction with me or with you and is more of a first-hand experience that you have with them, your judgment or gut feeling of them. In this episode, I will cover the what they do components and how you can improve your accuracy in predicting if you can trust the other person based on them. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of the Book of Trust and facilitator of the Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? The what they do during an interaction group of components or how you make your decision based on that is important even when you know who they are. So you've done your research as per the previous episode. You know who they are. You know where how competent they are and the personality compatibility, how personally compatible they are with you, the symmetry of the situation you're in with them. Even when you know all of this, uh, you still want to get your first-hand impression, which is what we'll talk about today, uh, your first-hand impression of what they do and how they interact with you. There are going to be a lot of signals here, uh, things that you cannot research, things that you observe. So it's important when you know who they are, but even more important and impactful that you don't when you don't know who they are. Now, how can it be that you don't know who they are? Well, there are times when you meet a person for the first time. I mean, it happens with salespeople when they try to sell you something. You never met them before. This is the first time you didn't have the opportunity to do your homework. You you didn't gather any intelligence about them. So you're establishing a starting point. I'll talk about the starting point in a second. And you will heavily, much more heavily, rely on what they do during that interaction. So uh, what is your starting point? This is really a personal question. And, and it is a contextual question as well. It, it depends on what is it that you need to trust them with. There are people who, in general, would say, I start with zero trust. By the way, I'm not saying that one, one type of uh, people is better or worse than the other. It, it's just, it's who you are. So you may start at zero trust. I don't trust anyone. You have to earn my trust, period. My starting point is zero. Then there are those who say, 
I start with 100% trust. I trust you. My trust is yours to lose. Maybe that's who you are. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not there. I'm, I'm probably closer to the first one. Uh, I, I'm not at zero trust. I'm somewhere in between. Okay? But you will have to rely much heavier on what they do during an interaction because you don't know anything about them. But again, even if you do, you will still have to rely pretty significantly on that. The components of the what they do, that this relates to what they do now during an interaction, not what they've done in the past. What they've done in the past goes into what you know about them and the, who they are. What they do talks about what they do right now. If who they are affects the starting point of the interaction, so, you know, I'm starting not at zero, I'm starting at what I know, and, and that's what dictates the starting point for the level of trust uh, as when the interaction starts. This one, the what they do during this interaction will affect the ending point of the level of trust you have in them. So the level of trust will change. That's trust law number six, uh, uh, trust law number seven, trust is dynamic. Uh, and it changes the fast the fastest during an interaction. This is based on first-hand impression, not based on research, not based on what other people told you. And this is where gut plays a role. And hopefully what I'll do now is help you train your gut to tell whether you can trust someone or not based on those interactions. So I, I told you that there are three components here, but, but it's it's complicated. It's not exactly three. One of them is positivity, and I'll start talking about positivity. And, and I'm saying that positivity is not uh, necessarily just one component because it's really made of two subcomponents, which I call the no BS, yeah, no bullshit, uh, and empathy. So the more no BS you get from the other person, the more empathy, the more positive you're, you'll think about them. Then the second component is time, and the third component is intimacy, and I typically talk about them as one time and intimacy, and, and you'll see. And, and what positivity does, positivity sets the direction of whether you're going to trust them more or less. So if they're positive, you're going to trust them more. If they're negative, you're going to trust them less. Whereas time and intimacy accelerate it. So they give you the angle in which you're going to change, the, the level of trust you have in them will change for better or worse, but they're going to give you an angle. So with that, I'm going to start with the first component of BS or no BS. We have a pretty evolved BS detector we were born with and we trained over the years. Some of us are not that good at it. Some of us are not that perceptive, but for the most part, we are. So if you need to decide whether you can trust the other person or not during an interaction, you want to pay attention to how much BS versus no BS they give you. Do they say exactly what they mean? That's a no BS thing. And, and by the way, when we get to talk about intimacy, you'll see how that affects the, your ability to sense whether they say what they mean or they don't. Are they driven by good intentions? So 
try and get dig into ask the question why several times try to understand why they're doing what they're doing why they're saying what they're saying uh, are those intentions good or is what they're doing just happens to be in line with what you hope they'll do but they do it for a reason or an intention that's not very good do they use common sense versus not common sense do they get to the point quickly or do they beat around the bush forever uh, do they take responsibility to their actions do they admit to mistakes versus do they blame others are they genuine and authentic in what they do and how they they say things or do things versus uh, a lot of posturing. They're doing a lot of things for other people to see. You you know, I'll give you an example. Um, Often somebody says something, uh, you know, maybe in a group chat or, or, you know, and, you know, somebody needs help. Somebody... Is undergoing surgery. And I would send them a note asking if they need any help. Well, how do you send that note? Do you send it to everybody, copying everybody, so that everybody will see that you asked the question? Which kind of begs the question, are you asking it just so others will think that you're such a great great person? Or did you send it to them individually? Uh and then they know you're asking because you really want to know if there's something you can do for them as opposed to for show. That's that's a component of BS versus no BS. Are they very clear that's no BS? Or do they use a lot of symbols and labels and metaphors and analogies? They just don't use the actual words. Are they informal and friendly versus very formal, very cordial, very unfriendly? Do they challenge the status quo versus their focus on, hey, this is how we do things around here. By the way, that, that's more of a personal things, uh, personal thing because some people would prefer for people to just keep the status quo. This is how we do things around here, and I consider that no BS. That's up to you. Again, trust is personal. Are they a person who's not afraid to take fences down, but not after understanding why those fences were put there in the first place versus this is someone who just ignores whatever existed before and would just tear down fences, not caring. You notice, by the way, that the last two are kind of a little opposite. But once again, those are how we interpret. This is how you interpret bullshit versus no BS. So you you need to decide which one of them is BS, which one is no BS. Are they someone who's not afraid to address the elephant in, in the room? Or are they someone who avoids controversy? Uh, do they use inspiration when they talk? Motivation? Real leadership? Or do they use authority? People who use authority... Uh, as the way to get you to do things are people that at least I don't necessarily trust. I use people that inspire me, not people who use authority to get me to do things. Do they use data and knowledge versus assumptions? Are they unbiased? Do they come with an open mind or do they suffer from confirmation bias? They're fixated. They have an agenda. Are they rational or are they emotional? Do do you do they do things right to not hurt anyone? Or for them the end justifies the means. Don't don't care who gets hurt in on the way. 
Do they use humor and sarcasm appropriately, assuming that that's something that you consider to be now no BS? Or do they don't know when a joke is inappropriate in a situation? Are they seeking to understand or are they seeking to put labels as quickly as possible on things and, and more importantly on people? Do they seek consensus or are they lobbying for majority? I don't trust people who lobby for majority. I lo- I trust people who really seek consensus. But that's me. You got to ask yourself, what what are you? Are they preparing people for surprises, especially negative ones, because they know that you're not going to like it? Or do they like catching people off guard? Would they, do they like catching you off guard so they can use the element of surprise and promote their own agenda? Do they recognize capabilities and merit first, or do they recognize celebrity or lineage or, or hierarchical level or longevity or status before they recognize how capable you are or, or merits your merit? Uh, do they have a passive-aggressive behavior? Uh, are they someone who wants to hear all the sides and opinions and accept the fact that every story has two sides? Or are they someone who rushes to judgment? Uh, are they proficient in saying, this is my mistake, this was my fault, I was wrong, thank you? Or, or there's someone who avoids saying these things? Do they bring up things that others haven't thought about? Or do they merely state the obvious are they constructively critical or are they destructively judgmental are they looking for things to learn from mistakes or looking for ways to learn from mistakes and not repeat them or are they just looking for someone to blame so you know again this is not a a, an all-encompassing list you can think of other things and, and, you know, I know that I asked some of those questions in terms of are they a person that does X, Y, Z? But but really what I meant is what are your firsthand observations when you interact with them? So forget what you know about them uh, from other people or from your research or from you looking up their social media uh, footprint. I'm not looking for that. This time you need to look for your first-hand impression. And, and here's a list of things that you need to ask yourself as your first-hand impression. So again, they're cumulative, uh, they're personal, and you already saw that it really depends on who you are uh, and how you prefer them to interact and whether you can trust them based on this interaction. Again, you're going to be probably leaning towards trusting your gut more, uh, but just here are here's a list of things add freely to that list to decide whether you how how to train your gut this was the area of bs or no bs now let's talk about empathy empathy is important positivity is strongly driven by the fact that you feel that they're empathetic to you once again, not an all-encompassing list, but here is here are a few examples. One is, do they see, are they willing to see things from your perspective? Or do, do they behave in a very self-centered way? There's only their side, only their perspective is valid. Do they accept that there's a, there are at least two stories for every, uh, two sides to every story? 
Or again, do they believe that some stories have only one side, which by the way, obviously is going to be theirs. Do they care about other people or do they, they behave in the way that makes you feel that they think that the world revolves around them? Are they transparent? Do they share information freely? Or do they hold information back as a way to maintain or gain power? Do they make actions, values, intentions, and motivations above the fold? Very transparent, very visible. Why are they doing what they're doing? Versus very reserved, keeping things to myself. Uh, the, only the actions are visible, but not what the intentions, motivations, or values, uh, that their, their business uh, don't, don't interfere with that. So you, you can tell that the, during the interaction. Are they good at taking punches and, and not get offended easily? Uh, or are they very sensitive and get offended by the slightest comment you might make? And I'll tell you. I don't trust people like that that are very sensitive and offended. And, and you know, this goes back to my research on feedback. I'm not going to give somebody who I know is very offended, very quickly offended at the slightest comment. I'm not going to give them feed the feedback they need to hear. I may not tell them what they want to hear, what I think they want to hear. I may just not give them feedback. I'm actually 106% more likely to give them the feedback they need if I feel that they can take punches and they don't get offended easily. Do they offer more than they ask? Do they give more than they take? Or the other way around, do they bring value into the interaction or do they drain value? Uh, do they strive for win-win? Are they focused on growing the size of the pie as a, that, that, that you all, that you're going to share with them? Or they treat all interactions with you as zero-sum game. For them to win, you have to lose. Um, you know what? That's a consideration. Some some people may even value your... The fact that you lose is going to be worse for them than the fact that they win. And some people, the other way around, the fact that you lose is more important to them than the fact that they win. So there's, there's a pretty wide range there. Do they listen to you more than they speak? Or do they speak more than they listen? Now, by the way, I, I, I don't trust people that don't say anything, but that goes back into the whole transparency thing. There are people who say, I just want to listen. Well, I don't trust that they have my intentions in mind. Do they reach out to you just to see how you are every now and then? Or only when they need something from you? So those are, again, not an all-encompassing list, and it's not necessarily true for everyone, but those are the type of things to look for to feel under that category of empathy, which is one of the sub-components of positivity. There is one more thing that I need to say about positivity that's, that's general for both the no BS and the empathy part, and that is that bad is stronger than good. Uh, bad signals on any of those would play a bigger role in whether you trust them or should trust them than the positive ones. I, I'm, I shouldn't say should trust them. They would play a bigger role in whether you trust them or not, but you have to ask yourself, am I disproportionately looking at the negatives versus the positive? Because this, this is how we are. This is why we're 
much more likely to post a negative review if we had a negative experience uh, than to post a positive review if we had a positive experience. It's, it's how we're wired. It's how our brain is wired. So just keep that in mind that you are going to be more affected by negatives than by positives. And, and so therefore, you should force yourself to look at them for what they really are in, in as objective manner as possible. The next two components of the what they do during the interaction are time and intimacy. And I typically look at them together, combined, because together they accelerate positivity, for better or worse. I mean, positivity uh, for better if it was positive, if your positivity impression through no BS and, and empathy is positive, then time and intimacy will accelerate that. You're going to trust them better, faster. Um, or if positivity is on the negative side, they they use a lot of BS and they're they believe the world and behave like the world revolves around them, then time and intimacy will accelerate the reduction in trust that you have in them. So let's start with time. Time declines over time. Uh, trust declines over time. Uh, between interactions. So I'm not talking about during the interaction, but between interactions. Uh, and that's a self-defense mechanism. If you haven't seen someone for a very long period of time, even if the last time you saw them, at the end of that last interaction, you trusted them to a certain level, you now trust them less than that level. Not necessarily zero, but less than that travel uh, than that level. And for again, it's a self-defense mechanism. I don't know if they have changed or not. I haven't seen them enough. I haven't interacted with them enough. So sure, one thing that I can do is I can go again and do the same research I've done the first time of who they are based, you know, social media. Ask people, uh, do some research, even though you know those people, it would give you a sense of whether they have changed because people change. People do change and maybe they change uh, for the worse. So you shouldn't trust them as much. But just keep in mind that if you don't see them long enough, you're going to trust them less. We trust with more time. You know, one of the examples that I give is, uh, you know, ask yourself this. You may be driving right now, but you're probably sitting at the front holding the steering wheel, hopefully focused enough on traffic. But what about self-driving car? Are you willing to sit in the back of a self-driving car with nobody sitting in the front, completely trusting the car? Don't answer that. Well, even if you do, I'm not going to hear. This is the nature of a podcast. But uh, most likely you're not. And the reason is really because you haven't spent enough time doing that. The more time, I mean, you, you didn't use to trust. Uh, I know I didn't use to trust uh, cruise control. I was afraid that it's going to get stuck. Uh, I didn't trust, uh, well, I don't have a self-driving, a self-parking car, so I don't know if I could trust that, even though things happen in a slower pace here and giving me more opportunity to interfere. But self-driving car on a highway, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But over time, we probably will. I mean, heck, the safety record of a self-driving car is better than the safety record of a regular car with a regular driver, a human driver. So, but it doesn't matter. I just don't have enough time with that. By the way, the Navy SEAL team, the members of the small team, they spent about six, seven years together at least to just be battle ready because that's the level of trust you need and this happens over time. So let's talk about trust and uh, the, the component of time in trust. 
uh, when the interactions, so th there are several things, uh, really three things that, that I look at, uh, and that is how long, how frequent, and how predictable. Okay, so how long? Um, if, you, if your interactions are very, very short with the other person, you don't have enough time to experience their positivity to accelerate trust enough. So you want to make sure, for better or worse, that there is enough time that you're spending with this other person. Now, by the way, spending time with the other person as part of a larger group means that uh, your exposure to that other person is much, much shorter. And so keep in mind that spending an hour with five people means that you really only get exposure to each one of them for one-fifth of the time. The second is the frequency. If, if you're not meeting them frequently enough, uh, again, there is a decline in trust over time. And, and again, you know, over a week, how many hours did you spend with this other person would dictate how much exposure you had to them and how much should you accelerate the trust or lack thereof in them. Then there's the predictability. The more predictable the interactions you have with that other person, the more you will accelerate the level of trust you have with them because you know when to expect it. You're ready for that. Uh, when the interactions are, are less planned, and, and it's weaker than the other two, than the, uh, um, the length and the frequency, but it's still an important part. There is one more component on... Uh, time and that's first impression. First impression plays a role. On one hand, and, and it plays a role, by the way, because as I said, we need as much information as we can to be able to trust the other person. And initially we go with only what we know about them and maybe we don't know anything because this is the first time we're seeing them. And by the end of this interaction or at some point during this interaction, we need to decide whether we trust them enough to do something. First impression will play a big role. Whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, your first impression will play a big role. And what I'm asking you, if you want to really know if you can trust another person, is to try to mitigate, try to normalize that time to have less of an impact. You know, the first seven seconds will have a big impact on you. Try not to. Try to minimize the impact that the first impression has on you and try to go deeper into whether you should trust the other person or not throughout the entire interaction. Don't let the first few seconds, the first few minutes uh, guide your time. I know that Maya Angelou said that uh, when someone shows you who they are or tells you who they are, uh, trust them the first time. But, but I really do encourage you to... Keep an open mind. Keep evaluating them because if you let the first impression be too big of an impact, then you're going to miss the subtleties of the fact that you can or cannot trust them. They may come across in the first impression as someone who's trustworthy. And because of that, you're going to minimize the impact of their later interactions that give you an opposite indication or vice versa. They can come across in the first uh, with first impression that doesn't show that, that they should be trusted. Uh, and because you gave it too much impact or influence on you, 
you are missing the fact that throughout the rest of the interaction, they really should earn your trust and you really can trust them. So try and minimize the impact of the first impression on you. Now we go to intimacy and intimacy plays a big role. You want to see this person in person. Communicating over email or text messages are not indicative enough for you to determine whether you can trust another person or not. So try to stay away from those types of communications. Uh, we can control our words very easily, especially if our words uh, are conveyed through an email or, or a text message. Uh, not to mention that, that you have autocorrect. Uh, not to mention that you can send a message with errors or mistakes. But typically, I mean, not typically, you have the opportunity to correct it. But there's a lot that goes between the lines. And what's important here is not just the body language, but the consistency of the body language uh, and, and overall, uh, you know, tone of voice, uh, overall nonverbal communications, the impact, the, the consistency of those with the words that are really being said. You know, Albert Morabian was uh, the person who uh, said, set the 738.55 rule. And really what he was saying is that uh, the liking that you have in another person is a function of uh, their the words that they use, their body language, and their tone of voice. And he actually attributed, uh, again, the, the, this is important, he's talking about liking. He's not talking about uh, communicating with them. But what he says is that 7% goes through the, uh, the words that they use, 38%, through their tone of voice and 55% uh, through body language. Now, I looked at his experiments. Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm buying these numbers. All I can say is that there is a big impact to nonverbal communications. But what I want to read for for uh, what I want to read to you is a statement, a quote from him in his book Silent Messages uh, from 1971, uh, a sentence that he put in the introduction to the book. So we're not talking about the experiments that he did in the uh, late 60s, and we're not talking about that model, the 738.55. Here's what he said. When our words contradict the silent messages contained within them, others mistrust what we say. When somebody says something and it's inconsistent with what they say, you may not trust them. When they are consistent, you will trust them, for better or worse, but, but you'll trust them. That, that that's what they say. There was a great experiment done by David DeSteno uh, in uh, Northeastern University in Boston in 2012. It was actually published in 2012. He did several experiments, uh, two experiments. The first one was with humans. Uh, he had 86 people in 43 pairs. Um, he played a game. The game was called... Uh, Four tokens. Well, it was four tokens. So each one of them got four tokens. Think $40 or $400 or $4, whatever. And 
each one of the pairs, those were pairs of people who did not know each other. So that was a prerequisite. And they met there for the first time. They had five minutes to get to know each other. They were prohibited from strategizing about the game, which, by the way, they didn't even know what the game was, but they were prohibited from strategizing and aligning positions on trust. And then each one of them was asked to decide how many tokens they're going to give the other person out of four. You can give zero and keep all four. You can give all four. Whatever you give the other person gets duplicated, gets doubled. So if you decide to give one to the other person, they get two. You keep your three, right? The thing is, they. and by the way, if you give them all four, then they get eight because we double it. By the way, they have to do the same thing. They have to decide how much they give you. Now, you want to get as much as you can, but it really depends on how much you trust the other person. So... What do you do? How much do you give the other person? I mean, you may give them four and they they get eight from you and they decide to keep all their four. And by the way, you both have to decide at the same time. Uh, So, uh, you know, you may give them four, but you're counting on them, hopefully giving you four that will become eight. Your four become their eight. But you may give them four. They get eight from you and they keep all of their four. So now they have 12. You got nothing. So how much do you trust them? And what they tried doing, they, they used humans, they, they tried to uh, capture w- with evaluators, with reviewers, capture face-to-face the, the body language experiences. So they did that in, in two different uh, groups. One of them did that over Messenger. Uh, it was the AOL Instant Messenger at the time. Uh, they did that completely through words communicated only through words. They were not allowed to use uh, emojis. And then the question was, did body language change the level of trust? And and not so much the level of trust as it was really the accuracy of predicting trust, which is really what you care about because you want to know how accurate you are in determining whether you can trust the other person or not. So the average, the number of tokens given from one to the other person was identical, 2.4 in both cases, whether the communication was via messenger or people face-to-face in the same room, able to see the other person's body language and the consistency of that body language. So the average token was 2.5 in both cases. So average has not changed. The prediction error significantly increased. I mean, we're talking almost doubled Uh, the error doubled when you used only words versus uh, when you were in the same room able to notice the face-to-face. They did a a second experiment, which was really cool because what they did in the second one was they used a robot that they called Nexi. 64 individuals, 31 of them were in the test group, 33 in the control group. Every one of them was facing a robot that had facial expressions, body language expressions that were controlled. All robots had the same female voice. So so that was a, a parameter that was equivalent in all of them. And uh, they observed four signals of untrustworthiness. So the opposite of trust, the untrustworthiness. One of them was people who were fidgeting with their hands were perceived to be untrusted, should not be trusted. People who touched their face were perceived to be untrusted. 
People who leaned back, leaned away from you, should not be trusted. People who crossed their arms across their chest should not be trusted. So they simulated with a humanoid robot, Nexi, and they just confirmed, all of them, that the ability, your ability to predict whether you can trust another person or not, when you can observe their body language, specifically those four, but they actually had more than that in the experiment, like smiling and frowning and, and other things, uh, your ability to, to observe body language is important. The problem with that is that it comes to our to two things, really, and that is our perceptivity, which... If, if you look at the mathematical model that I built for the, the relative trust model, you'll see that those two play a role. Perceptivity, your perceptivity, your ability to sense those signals and their expressivity, how expressive they are, because the more expressive they are, the more you can tell if what they mean and what they say are equivalent and therefore you should trust them, the more perceptive you are, the more you can sense those signals. If they're not expressive and you're not perceptive, that's not going to give a significant uh, rule, as a significant value. Uh, and again, I'm giving you four. There's research that shows other symbols. So hand fidgeting, don't trust them. Face touching, don't touch them. Leaning away, don't touch them. Crossing arms, don't touch them. What they proved in that experiment is even with a robot, when a robot, a humanoid robot, that's a human-looking robot, when they do that, uh, they just... Uh, uh, and, and the other person decided, oh, I'm not going to trust them. I'm not going to give them a lot of tokens their accuracy of predicting whether they can trust or not has increased. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.